because your heartbrokenness is really difficult right now for you. And so we can't compare. It's always relative to where we are and in relation to our story in our life right now. And for you, this is bad. This is, this is hurting. You're struggling. You don't know what to do. But this will go. This will pass. You'll make it through. Hang on. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever you're coming from, whatever platform you're using to tune in to the Granger Smith Podcast. I'm so grateful. This is one of my, my favorite things that I do is to do this podcast and then to see the reaction when I post it and then to see the emails come in. What we do on here is I answer your questions. So if you have a question about anything, email Granger Smith podcast at gmail.com. could be about any subject. You'll find out today we're all over the map. If you've listened to a bunch of these episodes, thanks for coming back. If you're brand new, hang tight because we get into some deep stuff and you could ask me a question about anything. My life has been crazy lately. I, I have I have so many balls that I'm juggling. Uh, I, I've been doing a few tour dates. Uh, I've been doing a, a few speaking engagements. I'm shooting a movie. I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing the Smiths vlog on YouTube, and I'm hosting a radio show called After Midnight. So you might have heard, you might have heard from me or heard of me through one of those platforms. But uh, regardless, I'm glad you're here with me because this is, this is a special one to me on Monday mornings. Let's get right into the first question. First question says, hello, I am Zach. Recently moved to Wyoming from Colorado, graduated high school early, and I have some options in front of me. I'm not sure which one to choose. I work at a small chain of grocery stores, and I have a good relationship with the store owner who has offered a corporate-level job for me where I'd be making good money and learning a ton. I also have a passion for music, guitar, harmonica, and singing. I've considered becoming a worship director at a church. However, many churches require a college degree, which is something I'm not interested in. I also build guitars and find peace in woodworking. Woodworking is where I like to talk to God the most and meditate on things that are going on in my life. I'm not sure if I should shoot big, go to college, or work at a corporate level. I'm at a fork in the road. Thank you so much, Zach. What's up, brother? Thanks for emailing, Zach, and thanks for... Uh, Thanks for, thanks for trusting me with, with something uh, so serious in your life, this big fork in the road. Shout out to Colorado. Love, love, love my people from Colorado and Wyoming also. It's a good state too. You got a great question here, and um, I think a lot of people can relate to this. I don't have any notes in front of me. I have not prepped for any of this stuff. So like we do on these questions on this podcast is I'm going to walk through this as if you and I are just sitting at a campfire together. You know, it's getting late, fire's starting to burn down. I'm sitting there around the fire and you walk up, Zach, and you go, man, could I run something by you? And we just take our time and I'm going to tell you my opinion on it. And we're going to walk through. I'm not always right, but I'm going to tell you the best that I know how of, of this situation from what I know from what you've told me. And all I could really do with your question, Zach, is relate it to my life. What would I do, Zach? That's, that's what I would say. What would I do in your situation? And I've been to many forks in the road. The best that I could tell you is what I've learned is 
if I'm, if I'm at some kind of fork and if I'm, if I'm doubting something in my life and I, I need to make a decision based on just the facts laid out in front of me and I've, I've responsibly uh, done my research about these options, the different forks in the road. I'm talking pen and paper. I'm talking the old school, man. Piece of paper. Here's option A. Here's option B. Here's option C. Here's, here's the good from A. Here's the bad from A. Here's the good from B, the bad from B. And just write it out. You know, pen and paper, just digging through it. And what I like to, what I like to know from myself is I like to, I like to get a reading on how I, I'm reacting to the different options. And this is, this is harder to do than say, including my life now. But if I get nervous about something, if I get a little bit uh, butterflies in, in my stomach, right? Like, ooh, that option makes me a little nervous. That option is going to require a lot of effort. That option has a big payoff, but it's going to be a big time commitment for me. And then there's another option where I go, oh man, that one does not make me nervous. That one makes me feel at ease. That one feels peaceful when I just look at it on the page. I'm not going to have to do much to get into it. And I know once I get it, I'm just going to be, it's going to be so easy. Hmm. I have found, Zach, through life, if you choose the harder road, the one that makes you nervous, the one that requires the effort, and you do this over and over at every fork, you come to another fork, there's the road, there's the easy road that's going to lead to some peace, and there's another road that's going to lead to some work, but the payoff is could be crazy, could be crazy good. Continue to lean into the one that's harder. And the more times you do that, the more times you're separating your life from the ordinary. And 30 years down the road, when you look back on your life and you're looking and you're talking with your friends and they're like, Zach, your life is insane. Look at all this stuff you got going on. Look at, look at the track record you've built. Look at, the, look at the friends and family that you've influenced. How did you do all this? Well, the answer, Zach, for you and for me and for everybody listening, the answer is never, I'm just good like that, bro. I'm just good. I'm really talented. Or man, I'm just really smart. Or I'm just, man, I just, I got a knack for this. It's never that. The answer is always, I took a path a long time ago that I was nervous about, that was difficult, that took effort. I took the path. I leaned into it and I took it. You know, you can only eat an elephant one bite at a time. I took it one bite at a time. And slowly, those bites get easier and easier and that hard road becomes more clear and more paved for your feet. And you're able to walk through life like this and look back and go, I, I, I have... I have so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for, so many stories to tell because of the path that I took was harder. And so one of the first key things you could realize through that is what makes you, what makes you a little nervous? And, and I'm reading your question and you're saying, I like woodworking because that's where I could have peace with God and meditate on things that are going on in my life. Man, I feel that. Everyone listening feels that. Like we all 
feel that. But brother, that's a hobby and you need woodworking. And I, I encourage you to keep woodworking in your life because if, if that's the place you talk to God, if that's the place you could meditate on what's going on in your life, don't get rid of it. But I'm telling you, I don't think you should make a career out of it. I think a career is different. You're young. You just got out of high school. You're ready to blaze a trail. Follow the path of your ancestors that came over here to this country. You think, think, think about your ancestors, the, the ones that first came over on the boat, whatever boat it was. Think about that decision as they packed up in, in Europe or Asia or Africa or South America, wh- wherever they came from to end up here in North America, whenever that was, imagine that feeling that they had. And imagine if they thought, you know what, I'm just going to stay here in this village because this is easier. I don't want to have to go to a new land and, and meet new people and fight for land and fight for a job and fight for an existence and carve out my path for my family. It's, that sounds a lot like a lot of work and that makes me nervous just thinking about it. What if they had said that? That's you and woodworking. So I would, I would make that list and I would get your options out and the one that buzzes you, the one that you go, ooh, that gives me a little, ooh. That gooses me a little bit. That gives me a little goosebump, man. That, that, that gives me, that gets me those butterflies. Like that makes me nervous. <laughs> then maybe that one's right. I have done this so many times. I've, I've done this. And my earthly brain tells me so many times to take the easy path. I'm shooting this movie right now. I'm not an actor. This is my first movie I've ever been in. And it's a major role. It's the main role of the film. Meaning it's a, it's a lot of lines. It's a lot of script is mine. It's a lot of time. And when I first had this opportunity, my first thought was, no, 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 no. I have too much going on, right? I got the podcast. I got touring. I got songwriting. I got this radio show. Ugh. That, that a movie thing just doesn't really fit on the plate. It makes me nervous. Okay. Okay. So I'd leaned into that. I started the movie a few days into shooting. Guess what I thought? This is a lot of work. I even told Amber, I said, this, this is, this is making me nervous. This is, this is hard. Like I'm sitting there on the plane. I was just, I just flew to Ohio for a show. I'm sitting there on the plane, just studying my lines. And as I'm studying my lines, I'm getting, I'm getting anxious, nervous, I'm not talking about anxiety or stress. I'm not stressed about it. I just get like a butterfly feeling. Like right before I walk out onto a really big stage, I get this little tingle, you know, and and I go, whoa. That's the feeling I get when I'm reading the script. And I told Amber this. I said, it's hard. And I said, but (laughs) I say on the podcast all the time, do hard things. Lean into the hard things. That's your barometer, Zach. That's your barometer. I would encourage you to try this. And then once you take the path, the, the, the harder path, there's going to be another one after that. And you're going to have to choose again. And when you do that six or seven or eight times, you are going to be so far separated from the normal, ordinary life that you could have lived. I'm not talking about comparing yourself with others. I'm talking about comparing yourself to the, to the version of yourself that takes the easy path. And one day you're going to sit there as an old man and you're going to look back on all this. You're going to look back on the mountain of life that you climbed 
You're going to look back on your trail and your journey. When you're looking at that mountain, you're looking down at that trail. Which one do you want to see that you took? The easy one or the hard one? The choice is yours. Let's scoot around here. Let's grab another question. This one's from Ian. It says, saying, hey, howdy, Granger. I'm Ian. I'm 14 years old from Pennsylvania. Just started watching. I would like to say I'm a big fan of listening to your podcast. I also enjoy uh, on my bus to school. I enjoy the podcast on the bus to school, and uh, it helps me pass the time. Anyway, I just wanted to say, when is the next Restoring Earl's Truck going to be out? Because I enjoy watching it. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Ian. Shout out to Pennsylvania. Um, I, I wish I could give you a quick answer on this. This I'm restoring this old 1974 GMC truck that was my dad's that he gave to me that I had when I was 16. It was my first truck I drove. It sat in, uh, it was in a bunch of Earl Dibble's uh, videos and music videos. And it started sitting in mom's barn. And after dad passed in 2014, um, and I was I was getting busy with with touring. I didn't get to give that truck some love, and it just sat in the barn and just died. You know, you know how trucks, old trucks do. They just they get mud daubers in there, and they get mice that chew up lines. And eventually, you go out there one day, and it won't start. And you've got to start digging through to figure out what what's going on. So when the pandemic hit, I went out there and tried to start it and couldn't. So I I put it on a flatbed trailer and took it to the Yigi Farm. And I got Butch and Bull, my two bus drivers, and I said, hey, we're off tour right now. We got some time during this pandemic. Let's create a YouTube series restoring this 74 GMC. Well, technically, first, we just wanted to get it started, get it running. That was the goal. Let's get it running. And then when we got it running, we thought, well, you know, as we're pulling the engine and pulling different pieces out, pulling the clutch, getting new parts, we thought, well, now that we're down here, we're in the engine, we might as well pull that out. Now let's get to the transmission. Now let's let's cl- let's clean that up. Now, well, we're by the frame. We might as well take the cab off and and grind down the frame and then repaint it. And then once we did that, we're like, well, we might as well get new exhaust. And then we thought, okay, let's take the bed and the cab in and the tailgate and the hood, and let's get some of this rust off of it and let's paint it. And it ended up being a full restoration. So it's taken a lot longer than I thought. I mean, we're, we're over a year into it now, but I think we're really close. I think we're really close and I can't wait to finish this truck and share it with you on my YouTube page. But thank you for caring, Ian. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for giving me the shout out, brother. All right, scrolling right along. I have no idea what these are going to say, guys. I'm telling you, I don't know what I'm getting into. I'm just clicking away. Subject line, struggles. Hey, Granger, my name is Alan. I'm from Alabama. I've listened to your music a lot over the last few years, but I got into your podcast because of a TikTok that was nothing short of a sign. For the last four years, me and my wife have been trying to have a baby. It's been an emotional roller coaster. Last year, we finally got good news that she was pregnant, but at her appointment to see the child, there was no child to be seen. They had to go in and remove our child and the tube. Since then, we've gotten pregnant again, and my wife is doing well. The only thing is, I have this crippling fear that it's too good to be true. I'm reaching out for ways to deal with this kind of fear and how to know how to be there for my wife. God bless you guys. 
Alan, thank you for the question, brother. Shout out to Alabama. Thanks for the fr- thanks for listening and the kind words. And it's a great question. And 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 I feel you, brother. That this is a what you said here is a you used crippling, crippling fear. What this boils down to, essentially, and, and we could we could uh, tackle this kind of question all different ways, and I, I could hit you with all kind of of worldly peace and um, ways to manage it, ways to manage this to a manageable level. But what it really boils down to, the very core of your question, is lack of trust in God. And you might be thinking, well, my dude trusts God. But not, I mean, but you don't really. And, and I'm not knocking you because I can relate to you. So we're all in this boat at some level. But anytime we have a crippling fear or some kind of crippling stress or anxiety that, that is based on something that hasn't even happened yet, right? Like when, when you're terrified, say you're, you're terrified to drive on the highway, but you've never even been in a wreck before. Maybe you're terrified of airplanes, but you've never been in an airplane crash. So there's this kind of crippling fear of something that hasn't happened. And, and that's, that's you. You, you have, your wife is pregnant, but you have this crippling fear of a bad result of something that hasn't happened yet. And it, it boils down to a lack of trust in God, that he is sovereign, that, he's, that, he's, that he has a purpose, that your struggle through the lost child is not meaningless. It's meaningful. It is preparing you for something. And this is what the Bible says, that the, your, your, your struggle, your tribulation is not meaningless. It is preparing you for something, right? How? How? Well, the same way that anything, any kind of adversity prepares us. I mean, take football, you take a Super Bowl champ, and as they, as they hold up that trophy with tears in their eyes, why, why does a football player hold up a trophy when they win the Super Bowl and cry? Like, why would you cry? Why? People look at the TV and go, why is this grown man crying and he's holding a trophy? Well, I'll tell you why he's crying. He's crying because in game two, they lost, they lost terribly. In game four, their starting running back broke his ankle and was tough on the team. In game six, they went into overtime with a team they shouldn't have gone into overtime with, and they struggled. In game eight, that was the game it rained and it was muddy, and they barely made it out. And they, they had those practices where it was hot or cold and they came together as a team and they learned unity and they learned through each other, through adversity, through the, the, the personal disagreements with each other in the locker room and on the practice field. They learned to come together cohesive as a team and they came out victorious in the end. And on all those struggles, you take them away, take away the losses, take away the injuries, take away the muddy field, take away the overtime game, take away the, the, the disagreements in the practice, take all that away and then hold up the trophy. And it does, it's just a trophy. It doesn't really matter. It was an easy year. We didn't have any fight. It was, per, we just blew, we breezed through it. Yay. We won a Super Bowl. Nothing, no emotion. Take any movie, for example, any movie that you've ever seen where you felt like crying at the end. Why did you cry? Why did you want, maybe you're not, maybe you're not a crier, but maybe you wanted to cry. Maybe your girlfriend cried, Alan. 
But why do you cry at a movie? You cry because of the redemption that the story brings, because of the struggle or the loss or, or the, the, the brokenness that, that the story built in the movie. And through the redemption of that character, when it came together, and, and it came together for good in the end, and you want to cry because you feel that struggle. That's why there's struggle. That's, that's why there's redemption. And that's why your story, that's why the loss of, of this first child, that's why it matters. That's why it's preparing you for something. It's refining you. It's like fire. It, it, it's, it's burning you like gold and silver. So when you come out the other side of the fire, that gold is purified. It's better. It's refined. It's in a better state than it was before the fire. All the tarnish is gone. All the residue is gone. The fire made it pure. And that's what struggle does for us. So we don't fear the future, something that hasn't happened yet. We trust God that he has a plan. He has a purpose for us. And that this pregnancy, if this, this pregnancy right now, if it doesn't work out the way you want it to, and it might not. It's part of your story. It's part of your refinement. And you'll be better for it. And in the meantime, you'd be grateful that you're pregnant. There's so many people that want to be pregnant and they're not. So many people want children and they can't. And here you have this little baby growing inside of her. That's how you could be there for your wife. That's how you could be there for her. I say, say, babe, I just, I want to tell you, I'm so proud of you for what you're going through, this little baby growing inside you and you're taking care of it in, in, in this motherly way that I can't understand as a husband. And I'm so grateful that you're my wife and I'm so grateful that we're going through this together. And whatever happens, I just want you to know, your wife, I, I want you to know whatever happens, I'm with you. I'm in this with you. That's what you tell her. We're going to take a break and be right back. Podcast is brought to you guys today by Ship Station. You know, I'm always looking for ways to be more productive, ways to get good results with less effort so I could focus my mind on other things. Well, if you sell stuff online, you're definitely in the right business. Most people are shopping online more than ever. And that means a lot of orders are coming in, a lot of orders you're going to need to ship fast. And that's why online sellers like you need ShipStation. It's taking your mind off of the shipping and putting it back into the creative of the business. With ShipStation, you could import orders from any sales channel, ship with any carrier, access discounted shipping rates, and automate just about any shipping task. You're going to spend a lot less time on shipping and more time growing your business. It doesn't matter what you're selling. Amazon, Etsy, your own website. ShipStation funnels all of your orders into one simple interface where you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. You even get access to amazing discounts with major carriers like UPS, FedEx, USPS, easily compare carriers and choose the best solution every time. With ShipStation, small businesses can now access the same rates that are usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments. It's no wonder that ShipStation has more five-star reviews than any other shipping software. Ship more in less time. Just use my offer code Granger to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free shipping. 
Go to shipstation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in Granger. That's shipstation.com. Enter offer code Granger. Make ship happen. All right, digging back into these questions, the subject line says relationships, loneliness. Hey, Granger, my name is Teencom. That's a cool name. I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Shout out to Colorado again. I'm 18 years old. I don't know what to do. About six months ago, I had a really great relationship with a girl that lasted about two months. We weren't technically dating, but we had so much in common and we did a lot of stuff together. I would have loved to keep the relationship going, but she didn't want to. After that ended, I haven't had the desire to date or do anything with friends. I've always loved to date and hang out, but lately I just haven't, I've been feeling distant and lonely. What do I do? Thanks so much. Yee yee. Teencom. Let's see. Six months ago. So we're talking, we're talking, you're 18 and this happened six months ago. You dated a girl or, or you're in a relationship for two months. Got it. Teencom. You, what you're feeling is so, so normal. It's not a strange question. It's not a, it's not a bad question. It's, it's, a, it's a normal human desire, normal human question. And I, I want to tell you that time is your friend here. Time is your friend. The fact that you don't want to go out or have a desire to date or do anything with friends will go away. It will fade you will get that desire back. This is what they call heartbroken. This is what it's called. This is, this is heartbreak. That's what you're feeling. And, and we throw that word around all the time and, we, and we, we joke about it and we write songs about it and we use it, in, you know, we misuse it in other ways. But the reason they call it heartbroken is because it's in your core, your soul, inside you, your heart, you could feel it right in your chest. That's where you feel it. I don't know who, I don't know who coined this phrase a long time ago, heartbreak, but maybe someone can Google it for me. But you, you feel it there. You don't feel it in your hands. You don't feel it in your feet. You don't feel it in your head. You feel it in your, right in the center of your chest. You feel broken. You feel a pain. And that's what you're feeling, brother. You're you're feeling heartbroken. And loneliness is associated with heartbreak. So that's a byproduct of this brokenness, this heartbrokenness. A byproduct of that is loneliness. Other byproducts could be, uh, you're not hungry. You're not hungry. You didn't say it, but you're probably not eating very well either, right? You just don't really want to eat. You're not hungry. Um, You're probably not sleeping very well. You probably wake up in the middle of the night Three o'clock in the morning, you wake up and you can't go back to sleep. That's another byproduct of being heartbroken. So I know that I know for you, it's not only the loneliness, but you're dealing with, um, you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well, you're missing her, and your friends might be guilt tripping you. Like, buddy, Tinkum, when are you going to come out with this, man? Like, you you just sit at home all day and you don't have a, a right answer for them. Because the truth is, you just don't want to. And it's not that you don't like them. And it's not that you wouldn't enjoy their company. And you're just depressed. <laughs> you're heartbroken. You're lonely. You're hungry. You're tired. But what I'm saying is, 
this heals itself. We, as humans, we're resilient. We're so resilient. We make it through anything. Think of history. Think of what humans have done. Think of what, what they have gone through, through wars and plagues. They, we, we always bounce back and we, we are so resilient creatures. It's unbelievable what humans could go through, what we could put ourselves through and make it out the other side with. So you're six months in, it might seem like that's been a long time, but you're not there yet. Some people could come out of this heartbrokenness in four months, a uh, one month. Sometimes it's meeting somebody else. Sometimes you'll meet somebody and go, boom, you're instantly cured. You feel good immediately because you met somebody new, which is hard because during the heartbrokenness phase, you don't want to go out. So it's harder to meet somebody, which prolongs meeting somebody. But, but you will heal. You will heal. Hang on, Tinkum. Hang on. You, you will Find the light at the end of the tunnel. And then you'll look back and you'll be better because of the heartbrokenness. It's, it's just like anything else. It's another form of affliction or struggle. And, you know, we, we talked earlier on this podcast about, about losing a child in the womb and where you are, Tinkum. Let me just say, man, it's always relative to the life. Our struggle is relative to the life we're living right now. And you can't sit in a room with another guy who lost a child at stillbirth or a miscarriage and say that he has it worse than you because your heartbrokenness is really difficult right now for you. And so we can't compare. It's always relative to where we are and in relation to our story in our life right now. And for you, this is bad. This is, this is hurting. You're struggling. You don't know what to do, but this will go. This will pass. You'll make it through. Hang on. And if you realize that, there's power in that. If you realize that you have the power over this heartbreak, not the heart, not the girl, not the loss, not the loneliness, but if you understand what it is that's affecting you, for instance, what if you got um, strep throat, right? Okay, so strep throat, I've had that before. And strep throat is is viral, right? I know there's viral and bacterial, but the one that gets cured by antibiotics, right? So you, you get strep throat and when you get strep throat, you don't know what it is at first. And you, you just think, oh man, what is this? I, what do I have? How long is this going to last? How, how debilitating is this going to be to my life? How long am I going to be out of work? How long am I going to be bedridden? I don't feel good. I don't want to do anything. And then you go to the doctor and he goes, we tested you and you have strep throat and I'm going to give you antibiotics. And in 24 hours, you're going to be feeling good. You'll be, you won't be contagious after 24 hours and your symptoms will be drastically gone and you'll feel better. So then when you go home that night and you take those antibiotics and you lay in bed, you still feel the same fatigue and the same sickness. But since your mind has conquered it, because you know now what it is that's, that's causing the affliction, you go, just 24 hours, I got this. Yes, I hurt. Yes, I got achy legs. Yes, I don't have an appetite, but I know it's strep throat. I've taken the antibiotics. Now I'm watching the clock and I know that my time's almost up. And in eight more hours, my system is going to kick it because these antibiotics and I'm going to be good. And because of that, that knowledge gets you through it. So what I'm trying to tell you is that you're dealing with heartache and this will go away. And so when you go to sleep tonight and you can't sleep or you can't eat or you don't want to go out with your friends and you feel lonely, think to yourself, this is heartache and it will go away. 
and I'll come back out and I'll be right back out. I'll be eating pizza with my bros in no time. There's power in knowing that, buddy. Great question. Let's move on here on the inbox. If you have a question for me, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com and we'll dig into it. This one subject line is a man child, <laughs> a man child. It says, keep my name anonymous, please. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I started talking to this guy during the middle of last year. We'd never moved past the talking stage as it seems. Uh, let me say, let me say that again. We didn't move past the talking stage as it seemed like we wanted the same things, but I was ready for that immediately, and he seems to be still enjoying his mid-20s at the bars and going out with friends. He's never made time to hang out, so I constantly feel rejected, although he told me I was perfect, and we were meant to be countless times. We recently started talking again as, it, as he seems to settle down a little bit while taking classes, but a couple weeks ago, he finished classes and has not, has no, has, I'm thinking you said not returned to the party life with friends. Oh, I'm thinking you said now. That's what you probably meant. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he finished classes and has now returned to the party life with friends and at the bars. I feel there is a lot of potential and I don't want to walk away. However, his actions don't seem to match his words and I'm afraid he's just telling me what I want to hear. What do I do? All right. All right, Anonymous. Shout out to Ohio. Good question. Um, let, let me review the timeline. Started talking to this guy middle of last year. Okay. Okay, cool. So, you, you know, this relationship's got red flags all over it, Anonymous. But you know that, and that's why you emailed, because it's on your mind. And the problem is, you think the relationship has a lot of potential, and you don't want to walk away. So, that's why you're emailing. I just want to say, for, for this dating phase, this like honeymoon phase, um, middle of last year is a long time ago. Like a lot of people would be married by now if, if they met middle of last year, not, maybe not a lot, but there, there are people that would meet and date for three or four or five months, get engaged for three or four or five months and be married. So the timeline here is not really in your favor. Like you, you should know something by now, if this dude is good or not for you. And your job right now, Anonymous, your job in, in the dating sphere is for you to find the right guy that's going to be your husband. That's your, that's your sole requirement when it comes to dating. It is, I don't know how old you are, but this is not about, this is not about you um, enjoying dating for what it is. It's, you're not just like, I like dating because I just like to see a bunch of people and go out and have dinner and have fun. But because you're not doing that because you're worried about this. If that's what you thought, then you wouldn't be emailing me worried about walking away from this guy. So your sole intention is marriage. That's the goal. Looking for a guy that is going to be a, a viable husband for the rest of your life and God willing, the father of your children. Am I right? Okay. And this guy's not faring too well on the in that category. And you're you're probably, maybe you're thinking... I don't know. Maybe I'm not good enough for another guy. Wrong. You don't think that. Don't go there. Don't go there. Because we, we start dating. Sometimes we start dating people that we think are the, the mirror image of what we deserve. 
And so what are you seeing in the mirror when you look at yourself? You're seeing this man. That's what you're seeing. That This, this man that is, is a man-child in his mid-20s that loves to go to bars and hang out with his friends and not hang out with you. And somehow you're looking in the mirror and the reflection you're seeing back is what you, des- you think that you deserve that you're seeing. And I'm here to tell you that y- you deserve better than that. And so when you look in the mirror now, you, you go, no, I, I, I'm special. I, I, have, I have the potential to be a great wife for somebody, to be a great mother. And, and I don't need somebody that likes to hang out and be a man-child. And so my suggestion to you, Anonymous, now is to give this guy an ultimatum and say it just like you told me. There's nothing wrong with what you told me. I'll sit him down and go, look, I, I really like you a lot. And as you said, I feel like there's a lot of potential in this relationship. What that potential is, me, I don't know. This is Granger talking, not you. I don't know. I don't know because I'm not with you, but you could be specific about what that potential is. This and this and this. And, and I just think, I think you're a great guy. But here's the but. I, I, I don't, I don't appreciate being put on the back burner. If this is something that's going to last, if this is a relationship that has legs and longevity, I don't appreciate being on the back burner of it. And that's what I feel like. I feel like, I feel like I'm your fifth or sixth priority in life right now. Is that true? And he's going to say, no, 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 you're great. And go, well, your, your actions are going to speak louder than your words here because you, you love to spend so much time with your friends and maybe, maybe you're not ready for a relationship. And I want to give you an ultimatum. I'm going to, I'm going to say right here today, I want to hear from you that this matters to you, that I matter to you, and that this is on a path of me getting an engagement ring. Oh, that's maybe that's too much. This is on a path of something that's going to lead down a long road for us. Okay. <laughs> Don't scare him with the engagement ring talk. And, and see what he says. Put him on the line, you know, put him right there on the spot. See what he says. I, 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 if I was a guy in, if I was, I am a guy, if I, if I was in his shoes, I would respect that. I would respect that. I would, I would say, I would, I would want to shoot them straight. And guys, I, I've been told this before by old girlfriends a long time ago. I've been told this because I've, I'm sure I had my share of, of man child years, you know? I definitely had my share of loving music more than anything else and chasing tour dates and chasing, you know, empty stages more than the girlfriend. And so there were several, several girls, you know, that I, that I would date that I wasn't that serious about it. And they caught on quickly that I was, I could cancel a Valentine's dinner to go, you know, take a tour date for $200. And they had to say straight up, like, Hey, I don't feel like I'm a priority. And, and I might've thought, well, you're great. This is fun. And they said, if they said, you're, you're, you don't make me feel like a priority at that moment, I would have to be honest and go, you're right. You're right. I love my friends. I love, I love hanging out with them. I love my job. I love my work. And I love you equal to that, but not anything more than that. Right. And that might be the answer you get. And hey, if you get that answer, good. Then you go and you have a, a whole heart when you leave and you feel, you feel confident that you're walking away from a relationship that wasn't going to go anywhere. And good for you. You're back on the market again. You're ready to find the next guy and you're going to learn 
with the next guy, you're going to learn from this guy. You're going to learn a little bit more of what you need. And in dating, you go through these relationships and every time you get out of one, you learn a little bit more about who you are and what you need and what you deserve and, and, and how to be respected and you get better every time. So I would sit him down and give him this ultimatum and don't let him lie to you. You'll know if he's lying. And if he does lie to you, you'll know it in a few weeks because he'll go back to his old ways and then you could bring it up again and go, remember when I talked to you about this? And he'll go, yeah. And then you'll go, I'm sorry, this is over. I got to go. And it's, it's sad to me because I thought we had a lot of potential, but I have to go because I gave you an ultimatum two weeks ago. You agreed and now you're back at it. Anonymous. It's as easy as that. And it's hard to do, but that's the mathematic formula for you. You give him the ultimatum. You don't let him lie. If he does lie, you know in two weeks and then you walk and you don't look back. You close the door and you walk. Don't look back and you're better for it. Let's grab another. Wow, which direction should we go? Let's see. <laughs> A lot of relationship questions in here I see in the subject lines. Let's see. <laughs> There's a trusting God question. Maybe we shouldn't hit that. Okay. Why can I not trust God when this is all I want to do? The question is, I have recently found your podcast and it's been such a blessing. I have been born again and faithfully serving him for 15 years. I want to reach out to you, get your opinion. I'm 27 years old, pretty successful in my career for my age. God has blessed me beyond measure in my career and all the glory be to him for that. I have worked for my current employer for almost eight years. Unfortunately, my work environment is nothing short of toxic. The senior management, lack, management lacks morals and integrity, does not value their employees, and I'm not confident in my current workspace. I would like to leave, but I'm extremely scared. I know that my value is in Christ alone, but I also value my professional career and have worked to climb to the top. The enemy is using all my insecurities against me and is making, me extremely, making it extremely difficult to let go and allow God to direct me where I need to be. In short, how can I overpower my anxiety-filled, controlling, insecure heart and trust in Christ for my future? Well, did you say your name? I won't say your name because you didn't say your name, but <laughs> you said it. That last line is pretty, that's pretty good. In short, how can I overpower my anxiety field, controlling, insecure heart and trust Christ for my future? It, that is the question for all of us, right? If we could answer that, guess what? We, if we can answer that, guess what you get? Peace. Peace. So Philippians 4, 6 through 7, look it up. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, look it up because it's going to tell you do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's how you do it. Doing it is, you got to dig, you got to dig, but that's your roadmap on how to do it, right? So, prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. You give the glory to God, you worship Him, you say, you are the creator, you have a plan, 
I need to, I need to know direction in this job. I, I feel insecure in this job. I feel undervalued in this job, but I'm thankful to have the job and I'm thankful that you, you've provided it. Show me your path. That's your, that's, that's what you say. That's your prayer. And the result is peace, peace. And that's what you're after here is peace. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I haven't talked to you in person, so I don't know if I sit here and tell you, yes, walk away from this job. I can tell you that your fear of leaving the job is nothing but fear. And <laughs> what did Roosevelt say? There is nothing to fear but fear itself. And that's true. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. And fear is nothing but just fear. It's, it, it doesn't, nothing has happened yet. You're scared of leaving a job, but you don't even know if that's a good or bad thing. I mean, maybe, maybe it's a great thing. Like maybe leaving this job opens up the door to an incredible career that you're forever thankful for. And you look back and you go, I wouldn't have had this job if I didn't leave the other one. I understand that you've worked up the ladder and you, you've put so much effort into it, but it's not about your effort that you put into it. It's you. You are the effort. You are the value. Sometimes as humans, we start to think that our value is what we've built. Like all the little things that we've collected and added and put together and, and historically lined up in our, in our past is our value, but it's not. We are the value. Currently, presently, we're the value. So whatever you built, whatever you did, you could build again. Why? Because you already did it once. You know, that's hard. Of course it's hard. Life is hard. Life isn't fair. Life is difficult. But we push on. Because when we hold up that Super Bowl trophy, that's when we cry. Because we go, we made it. Victory. We're holding the trophy with tears in our eyes because we went through trials. We had to get out of that job and we put our sweat and tears into that job. We worked so hard to climb that ladder and we had to let it go. But we got this new one and we started over from, from scratch. From the ground up, we built this thing all over again. And I repeated this ladder and I got less pay. And I didn't feel like I deserved it, but I worked at it because I, because I wanted to do it again. And I knew I could. How, do I, how did I know? Because I did it before. So I started over and I built it again, brick by brick. And now here I am and I did it. And I got tears in my eyes holding the trophy. That's your story. It's like, what do you do? What do you do if you build a, a wall, a brick wall, a beautiful brick wall, and it gets knocked down? There's only one thing you do. You get the bricks off the ground one by one and you start again. And the longer you stare at that pile of bricks, the harder it's going to be to put it back together. You shake yourself off, you wipe the sweat off your brow, and you pick up one brick at a time and you start the wall all over again. You could do it. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you every single Monday morning. Yee yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel, hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.